You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. Just want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family, the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel Universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory. In other words, Excelsior! Everybody and welcome once again to Geek Fest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone, and today we are going to be concluding our investigation into the whole toxic fandom controversy swirling around Rebel Force Radio. We've done two shows about it already, and this is hopefully our final one. We are going to examine some last-minute developments and some other information I found on the internet that will shed some light into how this whole event took place and the current status of the show and what direction we believe they are going to be taking. However, before we do that, we are going to examine two other events that we kind of mentioned before, and that is Gamergate and Comicsgate. These are two events that are very critical in, I think, the development of the current, you know, Star Wars situation having to do with toxic fandom and how people have managed to profit from it and basically start their own channels and blogs and turn it into something that goes beyond just a fandom but more into businesses joining me today i also have andrew gaska he is an author he is a friend of the show andrew is the senior development editor at lion forge comics and he will bring into this discussion a background of comics and even the gaming community to help us kind of sort through the weeds to see how these other two events are directly tied to the Star Wars situation. Andrew is also a writer. He's put out books on many different franchises, including Space 1999, Buck Rogers, and Planet of the Apes. On the gaming side, he also served as a visual consultant to Rockstar Games on the Grand Theft Auto series, as well as Red Dead Redemption and many other releases. Plus, he's also been a freelance consultant to 20th Century Fox, working on the continuity and canon bibles of such franchises as Alien, Predator, and once again, Planet of the Apes. So let's get started with Andrew on the history of Gamergate and Comicsgate. I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. Worst crossover ever. Oh, by the hammer of Thor! Well, what brings you guys here? We're looking for a recommendation about comic books. Oh, well, I recommend you don't open a store and sell them. My spidey sense is tingling. 
All right, joining me now, I have Andrew Gaska, who is going to help us a little bit to kind of understand how the situation with Star Wars toxic fandom seems to have originated in two other events. Andrew has a very, very extensive knowledge, especially on the comic book world and the just the publishing world in general. So being in the field, being in that particular field, you know, it's possible that you can get a little better perspective on things. So, Andrew, if I go back, you know, I could easily say this is almost a repeat of Comic Gate, but it seems to have started back in Gamergate. Now, I'm, I'm not sure. Are you, are you familiar with Gamergate? Yeah, I didn't follow it as much as I followed stuff from Comics Gate. I mean, it's clearly just started off with a bunch of people who are resentful of women having a bigger part in what they thought was their refuge from society, I guess. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, you know, it's part of the symptom. It's, hmm, I don't know if it's a symptom or it's just representative of comic shops in general being, especially like in the 80s and 90s, just being like this cave that you right. go into and, you know, no woman or child would ever go near it. So it was a terrifying place, and and if anybody who looked slightly out of place walked in, they were ostracized. It's like an episode of Big Bang Theory, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I see that changing big time now, but there's this huge resistance to it changing. But at the same time, you know, the market is a small place that can only support one little group as long as, you know, as long as that little group stays in prominence. So if we're changing, if the whole world is changing to be more inclusive of people, then everything's going to change but the, the these this small vocal minority is has a huge backlash towards it yeah now with, with gamergate what i what i was able to find first of all it goes back to like something like 2014 so it's been kind of brewing for a while and the the one thing that seems to in some bizarre manner seems to have stemmed the entire event has to do with a particular game designer, a female game designer named Zoe Quinn, who apparently had a relationship with somebody, and that relationship went south, and it ended up in a in a really bad kind of breakup situation where her ex started bad mouthing her on the internet and accusing her of influencing certain game reviewing websites or game reviewing publications that all of a sudden people were like, yeah, that's what's wrong with this industry. The, you know, certain people are, you know, they're, they're, they, they started asking for what they called fairness in journalism, where you could kind of say, yeah, that's, that's one, that's one issue. One issue is, you know, wanting people to accurately, let's say, review a game or something like that and not being influenced by personal events. But the flip side of that was that the backlash that she got was all kinds of death threats, bomb threats, rape threats, you know, really disgusting stuff that normally you don't hear that sort of thing like in person or in, in events or conventions. This was all internet related stuff. And somebody mentioned that with gaming, it's a whole other world because when you're doing online gaming, there's a lot of stuff that gets said that is just disgusting in between players that all of a sudden people started to learn about that. What do you think? You think that the online gaming part played a bigger aspect than regular just gaming? I mean, online gaming and, you know, the social media in general provides people with a mask they can hide behind. Exactly. You know, I have so much – there's so many things that have been said on my Facebook page or, you know, I've gotten to fights with people on other Facebook pages that I know these people would never dare to say in person, but they just feel that they can be as racist or sexist as they want because they're hidden behind a computer screen. And I know in the game, cause I, I have played, I haven't done it in years, but I, I used to play some online gaming and yeah, the, the stuff that falls out of people's mouths. I mean, you just got shot and you're angry. So you just say whatever. And, it, but when you take it out of, you know, there's a context to these things. You can't just separate it. So it's it's it gave people this freedom to do what they wanted and to say what they wanted. And then the current political climate, oh, I yeah. feel, you know, has made that be more acceptable. Right. And there were absolutely no consequences to whatever people would say. Well, there's no consequences for what the president says. So why should there be consequences for what regular people say? Now, uh, granted, I'm the last person to defend uh, our president in this situation, but Gamergate was back in 2014. There was something brewing even back then that now is even more popular. So back then, one of the names I keep finding in this particular 
event is Milo Yiannopoulos, which you might be very familiar with this name because he was one of the people on the side of the anti-feminism and anti-left and he was, you know, doing basically everything the opposite to defend the people that were, you know, harassing these women and all these different uh, things that are going on. And he was very, at the time, very well connected with Breitbart. So you can kind of see the beginning of not only just a bunch of angry guys, you know, in the basement, but the political influence, even again, before our current state, that it was already brewing a few years ago. I think it was brewing as a backlash to the liberal quote regime, end quote, that we had in place. Right. It you was know. probably part of the Tea Party wave and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Milo is a piece of work. <laughs> There's no question of that. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, – I don't even know how to put this. It's um, – there's no such thing as a unbiased review. Mm-hmm. There can't be. There can't possibly be. If I go to a restaurant and I sit down and, you know, I don't happen to like the particular spice that's on this chicken, then my review is going to be that oh, this tasted terrible. You know, I, how, how could I possibly review that spice in a way that says I like it if I don't like it? So, you know, everything is biased when it comes to reviews. Um, I, I can't see any way it couldn't be because it's all based on our experience. The problem is, is that when it starts getting past opinion and starts becoming something that's harassment and affecting people's lives, you can say I don't like this particular thing or then you can inspire people to, you know, harass somebody. And, and Milo is somebody who I think it's intentional. I don't know. I don't want to say it's intentional because I don't know. It just feels that way to me is looking to cause problems. Mm-hmm. So I think that's for me, that's what I've noticed. Uh, obviously, I'm far left. I mean, I'm not crazy left, <laughs> but <laughs> but, you know, I believe I believe in diversity. I believe you know, I mean, the company I work for, Lion Forge, our, our, our motto is comics for everyone. And we literally mean everyone. But we want inclusion with everything. And, I, you know, I, I grew up with Star Trek, so I have that philosophy that we're, you know, stronger together than separately, which, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And it just seems like on the right, there's a lot of anger about things changing. And the right is where Comics Gate and all this other stuff comes in. Right. If you want to not read comics about women. You don't have to, you know, but stop trying to push that on all of us. There are definitely plenty of comics out there that, that are about white males, you know? Go read Batman. Enjoy your Batman comics. Go read Superman. Enjoy your Superman comics. You know, if Captain America is a woman for a while, okay. Don't worry. Steve Rogers will be back. That's the way <laughs> these things work. <laughs> take, a, take a break for a while, yeah. do something else, and then come back when, when it feels better for you. Right. Exactly. You know, it's no one comics stays dead. There's never been a situation where, you know, there's a new Batman and that new Bat Brace Wayne is never Batman again. You know, so you, there will always be things for you around. But let other people get introduced into the genre and find things that they, did, that they didn't know were there in the process. So... Maybe if we have a black Batman for a while, that causes people to look at comics when they didn't. And then that bleeds them into other DC characters that or new characters that are black rather than have them having nowhere to go or no entry into the stuff. You know, it's everybody should be able to feel like they have a way to get into this stuff. Otherwise, comics once again becomes this basement thing and video games becomes this basement thing. And that's just not going to support the market for anyone well with comics what i'm finding is that just like any other business you know you have your ups and downs and specifically with comics you know whenever you have a downturn in the economy and the and comics are just not selling i imagine that the people that make comics are going to try different things try to appeal to people that you know a market that you never try to appeal for give it a try see what happens sometimes they might even try stuff that's kind of Silly and some people might not like, for example, you know, doing multiple covers, for example. Some people say, oh, they're just trying to get more money out of us by having us buy these multiple covers or lenticular covers or whatever, you know, gimmicks, if you will. But, you know, that's just part of how it works. I mean, am I correct? Have they done these type of things to gather, you know, to get more audience before? I mean, yeah, I personally, that gimmick stuff, I think, is garbage. I always have. But that's exactly what the point was. And in the end, those gimmicks just wind up hurting the market because... 
people out, out there bought every version of X-Men number one. And I don't mean the one that came out in the 60s. I mean the one that came out in the 90s with Jim Lee. You know, And <laughs> those comics are worthless because there's so many of them out there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what cover you have. But when you, when you try something new story-wise, you're taking things in a new direction. I think that's the way. And I don't think that's a gimmick. You know? and, but that's exactly what these comics gave people are complaining about. Well, they're lumping it all in one big, th- they're, they're, they're making it the same. They're saying that if you market towards women, it's a gimmick. If you market towards a minority, that's just a gimmick, which is not. <laughs> I mean, how do we define minorities now? You know, I mean, are, isn't, isn't the, the white male that's in his basement crying that his comics are changing? Isn't he the minority now? I don't yeah, know. But obviously that's the last thing they want to hear people that are on that end of the spectrum. Right. Again, the, the politics keeps keeps getting infused into it, and it almost looks like the second somebody sees a split in something, they jump in, you know, with the political thing. It's like it's a wedge issue, just like any political wedge issue. There's an opportunity to to stir the pot, and they do. What that. I don't understand is why a lot. Of, I mean, I, I've I've used this argument a few times in Facebook stuff, but it's like I mean, back in 1984, 85, probably 84, Tony Stark. Stopped being Iron Man because he was an alcoholic. And James Rhodes took over as Iron Man. We had a black Iron Man in the 80s. You know, I don't see these people complaining about James Rhodes as a character now because he's War Machine. He's no longer Iron Man. But it's like these type of things were done back then as well. And that opened the doors for a lot of things. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite things from that time period was uh, there was an issue of Secret Wars. And the heroes had all been, mm-hmm. I guess, recuperating after a battle. And Reed Richards was fixing the arm on Iron Man's armor, and it had taken the sleeve, the armor sleeve off, and you could see James Rhodes' black arm exposed. And while while Reed was working on the the armor piece, and James says, "I'm just curious, uh, Doctor Richards. You know, were you surprised to find there was a black man under the armor?" And Reed Richards says, "I knew there was a man in there," and like that affected me as a kid, big time. You know, because we're all just people. And you didn't hear anything about death threats or burning comics or anything like that, did you? No, no, <laughs> not at all. So it's, it's a very strange time we live in. Yeah. We, we, again, with Comic Gates, one of the things that in my research I found was that there was, uh, a, a, I guess, a Marvel employee. Her name was Heather Antis, who apparently they all went out to celebrate or to mourn a friend who had died, another female in the industry the and they posted a picture of the milkshake about? institute yeah, yeah. and and that apparently is what triggered this whole thing of people saying well you know if they stop catering to women and why do they have to do this and they want to get just and it's snowball it's incredible how that little nothing of an event triggered something that went in two different directions and one of the names that i keep coming back to when it comes to the comic game incident is richard mayer Mm-hmm. who apparently started, uh, I guess, a, a site called Diversity in Comics that just took it and ran with the, you know, the anti-feminism, anti-inclusion. But he kind of hides it under under like, well, it's just a joke. I'm just making jokes. I'm entertaining. But he's giving these very heavy, heavy, alt-righty kind of views, you know, in the matter. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Name? Okay. So he's the one who referred to somebody at Marvel as a cum dumpster, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. I saw that. I did see that. I mean, I, I'm just kidding. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a little, that's over the top, you know, and I don't know. So I, what I'm confused about, is he leading the pack with this stuff? What well, is- the, the problem with most of these Gamergate or Comicsgate is that there are no leaders. There are no, there is no set instructions of what they stand for. It's just a disorganized group of disgruntled people. But some of them, they kind of see that there's money to be made here. You know, people do want to flock to whether it's a podcast or a website or, or something, a Twitter feed where people are just angry at something and there's money to be made. So I guess he's one of these first guys that managed to figure out a way of making money. Just like another guy that you might be familiar, Ethan Van Scriver, who was an ex-DC guy. And I'm sure you know more about him than I do. No, he's uh, he's another piece of work. <laughs> so, and again, with Gamergate, it, it kind of seemed to follow the playbook of of, of Gamergate. You know, uh, harassment, uh, online harassment. Some women saying that they had to change their addresses, they had to move out because of all the stuff that was happening. Uh, police, you know, to- going to the police to complain about stalking and and cyber stalking and that kind of stuff. And 
I don't know. It just seems like these days there's a formula, a playbook in a way, where they, it can just be applied to other things. And most recently, I've seen it done in the Star Wars side, where something happens associated with usually either sexism or racism. Those are like the two hot topics. And then mm-hmm. the camps start to, you know, people pick sides and they start going at it. I mean, again, I kind of trace it back to you know, the election. The election gave everybody the okay to whatever is on your mind, whatever you used to do, you know, online that you were saying whatever was coming to your to your head, now you can say it publicly and feel free about it because it's just another opinion. Do you see it that way too? I mean, yeah, that the election I had a lot of friends that I that I knew were right, meaning right leaning. <laughs> not 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 correct. <laughs> <laughs> but they never brought anything up. You know, and we would talk about uh, for example, I belong to a group, uh, Planet of the Apes group mm-hmm. online that was uh, very popular. And the owner of the group used to talk with them all the time. We'd always talk Planet of the Apes. Everything is fine. And then when Trump was elected, actually leading up to the election, we, I started to hear things come from him that I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? And I eventually had to block him and leave the group because he was just emboldened exactly. by these things. you know. And it, I, I don't know what gives people – you can be emboldened, but what's even worse is when you're emboldened to um, commit crimes in the name of this. Larry Hama, you know, longtime writer of G.I. Joe, he was uh, he wrote the Nom. He wrote he's written tons of comics mm-hmm. over the year. At the convention he was at last weekend, someone stole all his drawing supplies and wrote Trump 2020 on his signing sheet. <laughs> you know, and it's just <laughs> oh, like man. okay, you don't have to. You know, I know I know Larry Hama is on the quote blacklist end quote for the comics gate people. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's a little too much, and what happened with Kelly is 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 ridiculous as well. Because you know, if you're going to get angry about Star Wars: The Last Jedi, get angry at the people at Disney or you know Ryan Johnson. But Kelly's an actress who was hired to play a part. She played the part as she was directed. Why did? people attack her again it's a very coordinated effort in the way that it it happens and i guess what i don't see what the end game for the people on the other side of this is for example with star wars okay is the end game that they want disney to say you guys are right what we're going to do now is we're going to give the company back to Lucas, and now Lucas is going to do whatever he wants with it, and he's going to take cues from you. You guys are going to tell him how to write these movies. You know, is that the end game? I don't get it. Other than just complete chaos. I don't understand. First of all, George doesn't want to do anything more with it. <laughs> Second of all, I mean, George George has his adopted kids are across the rainbow. You know, so it's it's not like he's racist or anything. So I don't understand. You know, I yes, there's like two women in all of the original Star Wars trilogy. I don't know why George did that, except for the fact that he was in a bitter divorce. That could be the reason why. But it's not going back to George because George doesn't even want it back. You know, right. so I, I guess they want Kathleen Kennedy removed. That seems to be the the main thing now. When her contract was extended, the the people on that side were really, really angry. And more recently, she was given the uh, Tholberg Award, I think, uh, which again, it's gonna. I'm sure it pissed off people left and right, right. because they they want her no, just basically right, right, uh, t- <laughs> tarred and feathered. Basically, exactly. They, they want her tarred and feathered, basically, and then taken out of Hollywood. Get out! Get out of Hollywood! Don't come back! You know. And the other thing that you you mentioned a little bit is, and, and, and I'm fascinated by it, is the people that are so far on the right side of politics, and they love George Lucas, and they don't understand that. You know, his inspiration for most of this is a left-leaning ideology. You know, the whole empire and the rebels and, the, you know, Vietnam and the 70s and Watergate and Nixon. It's almost like they can separate those things and live in two separate worlds. Even the prequels was the, the whole the whole Senate stuff. I mean, George is – there's interviews where George oh, is yeah. explaining he was – he was totally, you know, uh, attacking Bush with that stuff. So, you know. Well, the name of some of those characters are, are, are takeoffs on, on senators and stuff right. like that. Trent Lott and uh, I forget, the New Gungray was the New Gingrich yep. and all that yep. stuff. I, I, again, I don't see it. But, that, but that's when people probably started saying, oh, I wish George wouldn't bring politics into this. It's like, but it didn't bother you when he brought politics in the 70s. Right. And uh, another point you made was that when they cast Billy D. Williams, you know, I'm sure it was done partly because of the fact that he had no 
African-American representation when the films first got started. So he was an opportunity to bring somebody, you know, bring a major character. Again, were people pissed off and angry about that back then? I don't think so. I don't remember people being angry about it. Okay, but here's the thing. You know, I love Lando. He's one of my favorite characters. And in fact, is uh, the way he was portrayed in Solo, I think he was better than Solo himself. <laughs> but it's like, so we introduce the black character, and he's someone who you kind of can't trust. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, he wasn't exactly a white knight. Right, exactly. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, was a little, he was a little shady, and then he sold, shifty, our, yeah. sold our heroes out, you know? Came around in the end, you know? And I, I, I could see how in the political climate of the time maybe that was an acceptable way to add a character of a, of like, a different race like like baby steps do it in very small increments yeah, like, uh, don't don't go overboard yeah, here's this black character you probably don't trust him he may not be trustable oh look no he's okay you're okay with him now do, do you see what i'm saying yeah you could say that you could say he maybe that's how, maybe it was coincidence or maybe it was on purpose yeah, it's yeah, hard to tell it could have been that but, way you know it, it's a little weird how it fits but even with the prequels again he brought more women into it he brought samuel jackson he brought bail organa you know that character jimmy smith so again i don't remember people screaming too loudly about why do you have to bring hispanics and more blacks and more women you know that didn't seem to happen back then either People were more angry at Jar Jar. Well, yeah, I mean, well, maybe that's why, too. Maybe Jar Jar was there to distract <laughs> you from that. <laughs> he was a distraction on purpose. He was there to take the bullet. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, you know, Jar Jar is kind of a racist character, and so is Newt Gunray. And, uh, well, the, yeah, the way that they were speaking, I do remember that. They were saying that they sounded like stereotypical Japanese-Americans. And then Watto as well. It was just like... Watto was like a Jewish type of accent, you know, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, but, they, but, uh, but the fun, like, again, the funny thing is that they left the other... Like, the other characters today would have been, you know, screamed at. Mm-hmm. As they are, as they are. Like I, I mentioned on a previous episode, a friend of mine, the, the, the first thing he said, you know, when he saw the uh, Force Awakens trailer, which is that first shot of Finn, mm-hmm. he was like, what? What's this? Why, why does it have to be a black guy? I'm like, are oh, you kidding God, me? Here we go. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I have an example of every bad thing you can think of <laughs> done in person. And it's like. It, really, that's what bothers you. You you saw this whole trailer, and that's what bothers you. <laughs> See, the funny thing for me is, my problem with Finn wasn't that he was black, was that he was a black stormtrooper. And my problem with that was, wait a minute, I thought the Empire was racist. Why would they have black people? I think they were human centric. Right. And that, I think that was the and thing. And once I got past, you know, I, I I could see that. But it's like I've I've always yeah. seen them as Nazis. So, you know, I would not think that they would have black people because they were. They terrible. just like the Nazi clothing. They are. They're not exactly, you know, they're into the, the style. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and then there's, you know, stormtroopers being subservient. They could you could if you want to go into this race and they, the Empire could be dicks and have, you know, other races be in subservient positions. And then if it's again with, mm-hmm. with their, their mentality, but because you don't see and we haven't yet to seen a black commander in uh, the, the Empire. Oh, you're yeah. Even in the well, let me think. Yeah, you might be right. You might. Yeah, be there's right. a few women now that we've seen in, in Last Jedi on the bridges, but but yeah. Well, Phasma, she's somebody really well, not anymore, right. but uh, she was a, a pretty high up character. Yes, yes, but there's no black leaders in the Empire, so it's still a little weird over there. But it should be because the Empire is supposed to be the bad guys, so that's okay. You know, they're supposed to be against diversity. They're supposed to be against um, everything that freedom represents. Now, the other thing is that just like, you know, you and I are kind of in sync in terms of what we think Lucas's intent was. Selling the company to Disney, you also have to think of what their intent is. Granted, they're a corporation just like any corporation in the world. They are The bottom line is money. I get it. But I'm sure they've done the research and said, you know, what will get us more money? Being more inclusive having more people of different races and ethnicities and different sexes and orientations or catering to right-wingers. And I'm sure somebody did the numbers and they said, you know what, I think there's a little more money on that, on the left side of this argument. And that's what we're getting from them. They're not doing, they're not doing anything out of the goodness of their heart. Hollywood in general is, is doing this. You know, it's, well, yeah, the thing is, is that what it comes down to financially is that movies aren't making enough money domestically anymore. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to sell these things to the international market, you have to represent other races so that people can hook into that. Rogue One did better because of a Central Asian character. 
you know? Right, 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 right. What's the name of the guy? Oh, my God. I can't remember the actor's name. The guy who plays Cassian. Diego Luna. He's getting his right, own series. I, yeah, I was, I was very impressed and happy to hear that because his right. character was great, I thought. Again, I didn't see anyone of any race. I just saw a dude who was a rebel, you know? It's, right, it, right. And I don't understand why these people see this. And what's amazing now is that if you put the time into doing a search, whether on YouTube or on or on Twitter or in the internet in general, you are going to find entire areas where they'll just trash that to no end. That's their programming. And as I found certain sites uh, like Geeks and Gamers, for example, which was another one of these that I found through the research, is that that's how they're making their money. Their money, their their subscribers, their numbers go through the roof when they get angry at something. Once you bring in the anger at whatever it is they're talking about, whether or not they're even experts at that subject, that's what brings in the money. And there is money to be made. It's not just political ideology. The political ideology brings people in, but then the money gets made too. Right. So I, I don't know. Do you think we can ever, uh, you know, get out of this? Or th is this just the wave that is coming along with whatever administration it is that happens to be on right now? Or do you think this is something that's been pent up in people for a while and you know, again, if you believe the, the future numbers for the uh, census that, you know, little by little, sh things are shifting. And this is like the last hurrah for the people that are angry. Yeah, I mean, I think the anger built up during the Obama years from these people mm -hmm. because they were seeing the world change around them and it frightened the hell out of them. And having Trump in office gave them the ability to speak what they wanted to speak <laughs> and lash out at the changes. Eventually, we're going to have democratic rulership again. And whether that's four years or eight years or 12 years or whatever, during that time period, things are going to shift again where these people are going to have to be quiet and they'll still, the anger will still be there. Let me just kind of wrap up here because this has been great. I, I love uh, all these different situations and all the different backstory because these things just don't happen overnight. There is a history to most of this. And thank you for, again, clearing it all up for me. Yeah, the thing that scares me the most about it all is that I, you know, living in New York my entire life until recently, I thought I really thought this stuff was was over with. You know, <laughs> I really thought that this was, yes, back in the 70s, this thing used to happen. And then just to see just to see it all explode and find out that people had these feelings all along, it really made me lose faith in mankind a little bit. You know, I, I guess because I live in a science fiction mindset of Star Trek and things like that, I just think I just thought we were better than this. So I mean I see we have a long way to go. Yeah, especially when it starts to bleed into, you know, your 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 happy place, the place where you go to get away from everything now is tainted by all that same stuff. It's weird. It's mm -hmm. really weird. All right. Thanks, Andrew. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Thank you, Bob. It's Mort. Mort, yes. You're I am Ted Baxter, and here is the news. All right, as we conclude what turns out to be a three-part reporting, more or less, on the Star Wars toxicity phenomenon, specifically dealing with Rebel Force Radio and all the controversy swirling around the show over this past summer. I'm going to follow up a little bit on what we did last time, where we chronicled some of the things said on Geeks and Gamers, another completely different show, where Jason Swank went there to kind of tell his side of the story, more or less. And as I continue to kind of research any more information out there, having to do with maybe them going on other shows or uh, talking somewhere in print, blogs or, or, or YouTube videos or anything of that sort, trying to kind of clarify their situation or their stance a little more clearer. One of the conclusions I came to at that point was that I was going to try to reach out to them. As a fan, as somebody who's putting together a piece as part of their particular podcast, which is what I'm doing, to see if there were some additional questions that they would be willing to answer. So I put together this note and I sent it over to them through the official Rebel Force Radio website. The note read, Dear Jason and Jimmy, 
I've been a long-time listener back from the Jason and Pete days. I've admired your passion and level of knowledge pertaining to Star Wars for a long time. I've followed Rebel Force Radio on and off, as life seems to always get in the way. My family and I have attended all the Orlando celebrations and have met and chatted with you a couple of times. We even attended a meetup you had at Hollywood Studios, Florida, and the live show recording you did in Orlando, Florida, not so long ago. The most current time that I jumped back on your show was at the end of September 2018. So I started with the June 8th, 2018 episode. I'm sure you're very familiar with this episode. On that episode, I got the feeling that you were both addressing some sort of unspecific series of events, which you felt you needed to air out your grievances with Disney slash Lucasfilm. I was very disappointed by the documented statements quoted from Ryan Johnson and Chuck Wendig. For the record, I did not like The Last Jedi and have never had a chance to read any Wendig books. The overall gist of the show seemed to be about asking Disney slash Lucasfilm to rein in their paid employees as far as their negative comments on social media. However, the show felt a little disjointed, as if we were missing some backstory to this point in time. I went back a few episodes to see if I had missed some relevant information, but nothing was there. So I started to dig in the internet. What my research found was that the June 8th, 2018 episode had to do with many things. The Rogue One Kathleen Kennedy press conference from a while back, the Gutierrez Twitter photo incident, the removal of RFR from the recommended podcast list on StarWars.com, the disinviting of Rebel Force Radio from Star Wars Celebration, the current absence of regular Star Wars celebrity guests, the closing down of the Rebel Force Radio Twitter account, the current absence of David Collins, the Patreon Rebel Force Radio clips about Dr. Afra and women in comic books. Once I had this background information, the confusion started to clear up a bit. However, the only thing missing was your side of the story. That is because none of these points were directly addressed on your June 8th, 2018 show or any subsequent shows. Then I found your site's news section, a link to an interview Jason gave to Geeks and Gamers in late July 2018. Here I was able to listen to Jason's point of view regarding some of these events. Still, I would like to know a few more things that were not addressed on the Geeks and Gamers Jason episode. Has Jimmy told his side of the story, the bullet points above, at any other shows or web slash print media? What is Jason's side of the story regarding the Patreon clips? Why go outside Rebel Force Radio to address these issues? Given the current status, have you considered taking Rebel Force Radio into more of a Geeks and Gamers opinionated style format? Are you trying to court the Geeks and Gamers and its affiliates brand of audience? In the spirit of full disclosure, I would like to let you know that I am also a podcaster. I've been doing a weekly show for over eight years called GeekFest Rants. I am nowhere near the gigantic numbers Rebel Force Radio or even Geeks and Gamers have. My show is not Star Wars only, but I dip into it almost every other week. I have covered this controversy on recent shows and plan on following up on it once more questions get addressed. Even though Geeks and Gamers is not my kind of show, and giving the strong opinions on both sides of the issue, I have not encouraged anyone to continue listening or quit Rebel Force Radio. I have not yet decided for myself what I will do. I think I need more information to make this decision, and hence the questions above. Thank you for taking the time to read this letter, and thank you in advance if you decide to answer the questions provided. I'm sure there are many confused, on-the-fence Rebel Force Radio fans out there wondering what this is all about and what they should do. By giving them as much information as possible about your point of view, then everyone can make a fair, educated choice. Truly, Carlos Perón. So I sent this letter out on October 23rd, and again, I wasn't really sure, you know, what could possibly come of this, if any. And up until now, I have not gotten a direct response. However, here's where it gets interesting. I would say about maybe two or three days after this letter was sent, on my Facebook page, uh, I got a notification because I, I have a program attached to Facebook that gives you extra features so that you can tell when people unfriend you and that sort of thing. I got a notification that Jimmy Mack had unfriended me about, like I said, three days after I sent this letter out. 
So I'm going to take that as their response because it kind of makes sense. It's too much of a coincidence, uh, you know. I'm going to assume, my assumption, that they're probably not very happy with either one of the uh, of the previous shows I put out. And obviously, I guess they're not going to answer the letter. They're not going to answer those questions, those specific questions that I asked and that made them upset. I wasn't friends with Jason on Facebook. I was only friends with... Jimmy, I believe. Yeah, Jimmy. He, he would always, you know, I, I would read his posts. You know, we weren't like messaging each other or anything. Not at all. We were just like any regular Facebook page. You kind of see what they're up to and that sort of thing. You know, he would post a lot of stuff. He has a couple of kids, I think. And, and one of them is a musician, a very good musician, apparently, because I mean, I, I notice how much he posts about that specific child. So, you know, like I said, you know, no, no big deal. You know, it's not like we were friends or anything. But what you say or what you don't say, as far as I'm concerned, speaks very largely of that individual. So for them to not respond or to, you know, sometimes when, when people don't want to get involved in a situation they they give a like a no comment kind of um, response which I'll, I'll funny I'll, i'm going to address that in a few minutes but when you kind of tie in the no answer give no answer attached to the unfriending it's like too much of a coincidence they are again in my opinion they're definitely upset about this it also makes sense in a way because jason had said before you know, don't apologize for anything. Do whatever you want. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You don't apologize. You don't. Ex- you don't have to really explain yourself too much about things, which I guess that's their game plan. You know, their business game plan going forward. Now, granted, I might be too small potatoes, way too small potatoes for them to even communicate with in terms of answering a question. If they get hit up on a question like this from a bigger source, they might have to answer it. Obviously, it's their show. They can completely filter out any things they don't want to talk about, and that makes perfect sense. Now, what is really interesting is that right around this time, one of their most recent shows, out of the blue, the show started with listener feedback. And the first question that they decided to address was about diversity, which is like, what? (laughs) The question came from a listener, and she mentioned the fact that she was, I believe she was Hispanic. She was Dominican-American, I believe. And she was talking about how much she enjoys watching uh, the animated show and some of the other movies where there is representation of people of other ethnicities, sexes, you know, all that kind of inclusion and diversity, the, the, exactly the type of stuff they were getting a lot of heat about because of their particular views. And she even goes through like a list more or less of all the different examples that they've had recently, you know, with the inclusion of women and diverse characters and that sort of thing. And their response, one at a time, Jason goes first, is agreement, wholeheartedly agreeing with her. But his immediate example of how he agrees is how the cantina has all these different monsters and aliens. And, you know, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, he's missing the point. We're not talking about imaginary monsters. We're talking about people here. You know, that's what she's talking about. And then later, as he continues with his comments about how, you know, he would he loves to see all these creatures and aliens, you know, he says, oh, but by the way, the, the, the point that she's probably trying to make, you know, yes, it is, you know, the people and, you know, he brings up, oh, but, you know, I grew up in a house full of women and... Again, this is a, this is something he repeated back in the uh, Geeks and Gamers interview. How his life was uh, shaped by so many women in the house, and and I guess maybe that 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 might be more true than you think in terms of maybe that's why he's you know maybe not too thrilled about having so many women being represented in Star Wars is because of the fact that he grew up with so many women, and maybe it's affected him in a in a way he doesn't understand. But Jimmy Mac jumps in, too, and, and the same thing. He talks about, you know, how great it is to have all these space aliens. and, and um, but, but yes, we always are open for everything. So it, it just felt weird that a show that seems to be under the magnifying glass would choose to start off with a statement that kind of contradicts a lot of the things that were mentioned in the past in a way, you know, again, their their view on women uh, in comics and and just in general, 
you know, with the particular slant that they seem to be heading towards uh, all this time, it seemed a little weird that they would, you know, want to address this off the bat. Now, you could say, is this an apology? Of course not. We know, again, we know they do not apologize. Their policy is not to apologize. Is this a way of trying to muddle things up a little bit in terms of defending themselves before they get accused of anything? It's possible. You never know. But it, it's, it was completely out of left field that this particular question would be the first one, and they would come up with such a I don't want to say generic, but prepared answer uh, about, hey, before anybody talks about anything, we just want to remind everybody we love everyone, even the women, even the, you know, people, diversity, diverse people, you know, people, you know, minorities and this and that and the other, uh, especially those space aliens. We love those monsters and space aliens. So it kind of felt weird. It just felt a little strange. So again, I continued looking a little deeper into it. But this time, I'm pretty certain they're not going to supply us with any more answers directly, at least. That, you know, they might, I guess, in the future do something like this, where they'll they'll make some kind of, uh, they'll reply to some listener question indirectly without making it seem as if they're the ones who are trying to bring up the subject. So, okay, maybe that's the way they're going. So, another source that I tried to look for in terms of an answer was Rancho Obi-Wan, especially Steve Sansweet, because he used to be the person in charge of fan relations exactly the type of thing that this is the guy who would have been in deep 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 involved in this whole mess you know if he was still doing that job right now which he's not you know when disney took over they kind of took it upon themselves and i think even a little before that he already started to kind of distance himself and and you know i guess he he saw the writing on the wall or he was probably told what the writing on the wall was going to be so I tried to reach out to him and to the organization, and they basically submitted the equivalent of a no-comment statement. However, they did acknowledge that this is a very, very difficult subject within fandom, and that, regrettably, they would, you know, Steve is not available, you know, basically no comment. Uh, so that also kind of tells me that everybody, you know, all of the people dealing with Star Wars right now, the official people dealing with Star Wars, and granted, you know, Rancho Obi-Wan, their whole business is Star Wars right now, indirectly. Obviously, they don't work directly for Lucasfilm, but they need to be pretty much in line with whatever Lucasfilm or, or Disney, I guess, at this stage wants to happen because that's their lifeline. Their product is their lifeline. And I imagine just like a lot of other actors and filmmakers that in the past were kind of... Now, let's. I'm going to speculate because that's the same thing Jason did. The speculation is that after these guys got in trouble, uh, Lucasfilm said, all right, that's enough. We need to stop uh, going on this show. Now, I have a feeling that's a similar approach that they're taking. They would probably rather not talk about it because it, it, it could get messy and ugly. So that's, uh, that's as far as I got as far as getting another source. Now, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, I've been talking to some other people that are, uh, you know, in the business. And what they tell me is that they're perfectly, as far as Rancho Obi-Wan and, and Sand Suite is concerned, they know exactly what's going on. And they are definitely keeping a distance, an unofficial distance, if you will, from this kind of a show because of all the uh, problems that are happening that were happening now as this is happening and as i mentioned before you know they did get removed from the official star wars website recommended podcast list but even more recently they purged that list completely of all podcasts completely all pod they completely cut ties with everybody and I guess it's uh, a way of just ensuring that they don't have to be chasing or monitoring all these shows to see what they're saying, you know, what kind of weird stuff or rants they're going to go on just to play it safe. So in a way, they kind of uh, poison the well. Their shenanigans have it kind of screwed it up for everybody else, at least the ones that were big enough to be included in that pretty big list of recommended podcasts. Now, as I've been searching again for more and more material, I was able to find one more series of sound bites. Uh, this comes from a YouTube channel called MakingStarWars.net. They have a whole website also, uh, and they produce a ton of Star Wars-related shows. 
podcasts, editorials, all that sort of thing. You guys might want to take a look. But within one of those videos uh, that they posted on YouTube a while back, there are a couple of quotes uh, that they were able to pull, I guess, from recorded shows, from previous recorded shows. Specifically, I believe these come from that original incident around the time of the Rogue One press conference with Kathleen Kennedy. That's the press conference uh, that I talked about way, way, way earlier, having to do with the first time that they got in trouble with Lucasfilm. This is what I believe might have originated the first time that Lucasfilm said, that's it, you guys cannot come to Celebration anymore based on those comments. Let me play a few of them for you. I am so disappointed in this blogger from Screen Crush, how she introduced herself to Kathleen Kennedy. Hey, over here. Hey, 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 Kathleen, hey. I can tell I can tell everything I need to know about this chick just by the way she says this. Hey, over here. I can and see that's her. Exact, I can quiet. see her. I know the type. These kinds of fads, and that's exactly what this is. This is just a fad of trying to shoehorn uh, an agenda in a in a place where it has where it has no place. Right, and preaching to someone. Who is actually doing things and right. has lived it, has lived it. When there wasn't all of these um, advocates, where everything wasn't a cause. Because this kind of gender baiting, uh, this kind of trying to stir up trouble with this type of controversy, with these types of questions, is done every day in mainstream media. It's, it's something that a little snot knows know nothing would do. A little snobby posturing little social justice warrior. And I know that's becoming a buzz phrase. All right, as you guys can hear there, once again, it's this is the stuff that Jason uh, talked about a little bit uh, during the uh, Geeks and Gamers show. Uh, the fact that he... It's funny. He admitted he went a little overboard in how much he seemed to be attacking this particular journalist and focusing on a very personal level on her. But again, remember, he admits he did something wrong, but his biggest regret is apologizing for admitting that he did something wrong and apologizing on air. So it is an unusual, contradictory, uh, hypocritical situation. Now, if I had to speculate on what the plan is right now in terms of how does the show go forward, and even trying to speculate on what was the point of all this in terms of what did they hope to achieve? Was it a flub? Did somehow their personal views got muddled in there and everybody got to see or listen to their personal views? Was it intentional? Was it a trial balloon? You know, when you kind of say something outrageous and hope that the reaction at this point, again, due to the current political times we're living in, that it would be more accepting. It would be more embraced they would be more embraced by the fan community for their particular views dipping into you know giving it a try putting you know trying out the the so-called you know the, the the geeks and gamers format being able to go a little bit further right than usual and saying things that are insulting and kind of bad you know was it an attempt or was it a mistake who knows uh, it's hard to tell right now However, the thing is that, you know, as far as the show goes, they are trying to kind of portray the middle of the road image and the we are open to everything image, you know, that kind of image, whether they mean it or not. I, I strongly doubt it at this point because, you know, I'm getting more and this is something completely normal. I'm getting more of a picture that you have the art and you have the artist and the art and the artist are very different as i mentioned on the first episode that we covered this the art is the show the show wants to appeal to everyone they don't want to just go towards the right side you know of the fence they don't see themselves as that the artist Yes, that's their ideology as far as I can tell from their comments and from their, you know, personal thoughts, the ones that we were privy to, and the times where they do kind of go off script and they kind of let those personal feelings leak into the show. Yeah, that that's where they are. So I, I think, you know, they, they are trying to live two separate lives. Uh, one life is their private life and what they say when they go on 
a, a show like Geeks and Gamers. And then the other life is the show itself. The show itself where they will try to not misbehave and say the wrong things and hopefully get back into the good graces of, of Lucasfilm and, and just a lot of people in general. But, you know, I don't know. It, it's a weird environment now in terms of how there are so many shows like this now. So in other words, for them to go all righty on everybody, I, I don't think it would benefit them financially or as far as subscriptions go and that sort of thing. Downloads. I think they're pretty much done with sponsors at this point. It's easy to say, oh, I never want sponsors in the first place. It's so unreliable. I have to, you know, work for these people and that sort of... Yeah, it's easy to say that when you don't have that. <laughs> when they had that, they were perfectly fine working for these people and you know, catering to these people and, and watching what they said. But then once they kind of stuck their foot in their mouth and said those things and the sponsors started going away because of the complaints that some viewers started, you know, to complain to the sponsors, uh, then it's kind of like, oh, crap, you know, what do we do now? Now seems to be, uh, you know, the Patreon um, viewer, listener supported model. And that's how you go forward. Uh, as I said before, there will not be any more apologies on the show. Anything that they do now it's going to be there. So they either have to live with it or they have to be very careful what they say. And to me, it looks like right now that they're just doing damage control. They're trying to reassure their base of listeners that, uh, no, we're, we're, everything's fine. You know, you know, move along. There's nothing to see here. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But we'll see. We'll see what happens, uh, whether... Uh, whether they kind of fall off the wagon again or, or not, you know, it's very dangerous when you do these um, patron things where you try to give people a little bonus content. And I guess their idea of bonus content is to let them know how they really feel about things in general. Uh, so it's, it's difficult. And I think that, you know, the background that I mentioned earlier with Gamergate and Comicsgate, that background is here. That background is the model uh, for a lot of the things that are happening now in Star Wars with, with this fan community problem. Granted, if you're not on the internet, you probably never heard of any of this, and it really doesn't matter, because these type of things are not the type of things that make the news. This is all kind of like how the sausage is made type of stuff. And a lot of times, you know, it, it's it's amazing, because we, you know, a lot of times, especially for us, you know, people who are into genre material, you know, we love the end product and we are naturally curious about how that end product gets made. And my God, we buy so many books on the making of Star Wars and the making of this. And we watch the videos of the behind the scenes and we, we listen to interviews by writers and creators and all kinds of people. And sometimes you really don't want to know how things are made because they will start to dishearten you. And it happens with a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Even Star Wars has created its own mythology of, you know, how things were made. And you have their point of view and this person's point of view. And you have the official Lucasfilm point of view. And uh, you have individual people that work and their completely different point of view. You know, it depends on who you talk to sometimes about, you know, what exactly took place, how things were made. And on something as insignificant as a podcast, you know, there is a whole other world going on behind the scenes between hosts and guests and other podcasts and competition and, you know, dividing into in, into camps, if you will. And now more than ever, because now, because politics have been injected into it, and I'm not talking about diversity and inclusion that is not in my opinion a political move that is a business move that is a move first of all it's a progressive move in terms of you know you always want more and more and more you want more people of different kinds you want more ideas different diverse ideas and that kind of thing that's one thing the other thing is corporations like disney lucasfilm everybody they want more customers and the only way to get more customers is to open up more markets and those markets will be people that normally maybe were not interested in star wars well they have to research that and that's how they say you know are, are we marketing enough to this group or that group or that other group no okay let's market a little better let's give them something to view you know i can't sell them something that doesn't look like them because 
it's just the same old thing being repeated over and over again. So let's give them something a little different. Now, granted, I'm never going to argue that the diversity and the inclusion is more important than the ideas and the creativity and the stories. No, it all has to be done at the same time. You can't just go 100% in one direction and not the other. You have to balance it out. Sometimes you will bring a little more of one and a little less of the other. You know, you, you'll, you'll mix it up, but you can't just, you know, completely obliterate one over the other, which is one of the reasons that they feel according to those sound bites that the fact that if you do include more women you will eliminate all men there is no gray it is just black or white in their world so based on all of this you know i i think my decision has been made in terms of that i think i'm kind of done with the show it's a shame because like i mentioned it so many times they do you know <laughs> 90% of that show I enjoy in terms of when they do get to the nitty-gritty of the geeky, nerdy speculation of Star Wars and examinations of Star Wars and characters and this and that. But the fact that there's this layer of just like anger and distrust and resentment, you know, having to do with the subject of inclusion and diversity. And, and granted, you know, if you have that chip on your shoulder where everything you're looking at you have to kind of see it through that lens you kind of look at that trailer you look at that movie you look at that comic book that television show and the first thing that comes to your mind is oh why does that have to be a woman oh why does that have to be an african-american character oh they're not happy until they're completely eliminate all white males you know that's just that's too much baggage you're no longer enjoying the product. Your entertainment now has become politics, basically. You know, if that's how you view things. So, you know what? There's hundreds of shows out there. I'm going to find a couple of new ones. I've been trying out a couple of new ones. I like what I hear out there. There are groups that they kind of pledge to not behave in that manner. To just do it for the fun and not drag in to the show all of this other stuff that really you know, turns a lot of people off, including myself. So bottom line is I'm done with the show and you guys have to figure out what to do next because, you know, it's like I mentioned uh, on, again, on the first episode, it's kind of like when you have a friend that all of a sudden you realize that they do have a very different views and it's not just another valid opinion kind of view. It's more of a, holy crap, they just went off the deep end kind of view. So you guys have to make your own decisions because, yes, you might have friends like that, too, that you kind of continue to be friends because you somehow reason it out or figure out or like family. You know, you're kind of stuck with family sometimes. They really have to go way, way over the deep end to kind of have yourself distance yourself from them. But this is just a show. This is entertainment. You know, this isn't a personal friend. So it's a lot easier to say, you know what? There's so much more other stuff out there. We're going to go visit something different. And you guys have to decide, you know, what to do, too. Fortunately, like I said, there are many, many choices out there. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I'd like to thank our guest, Andrew Gaska, for helping us kind of sort through the difficult topics of Gamergate and Comicsgate. As I mentioned before, these are very pivotal subjects that are so closely linked to each other and to what is happening on the Star Wars fan front and podcasting front also. If anybody is interested in following Andrew, he could be reached at his Facebook page, facebook.com backslash andrew.gaska. That's G-A-S-K-A. And you can also find him at blandventures.com. This is his website where you'll see access to all of the different publications that he has written. And that's blamventures.com. Plus, I hope you guys enjoyed our third part of our Toxic Star Wars Fandom Rebel Force Radio Controversy three-part series that we've done. I think we've gone as far as we can, you know, trying to figure out exactly which direction that show is going to take. I've made my decision. You guys have to now make yours. With that, there's a couple of shows I would recommend trying out if you decide you want to explore other options. One show is called Full of Sith, and that's fullofsith.com. Obviously, these are all Star Wars-centric shows. 
There's also Making Star Wars, and that's makingstarwars.net. Steelwars.com, there's another one, very funny show. And some of my original favorites, such as Star Wars Action News. So you have plenty, plenty to pick from there. I would suggest giving them a try, see if that's something a little more to your taste. And as usual, please continue to visit us. So on behalf of everybody here, thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon here at GeekFest France. Bye-bye, everybody. I have brought peace to the Republic. I am more powerful than the Chancellor. I, I can overthrow him. And together, you and I can rule the galaxy. Make things the way we want them to be. I don't believe what I'm hearing. Obi-Wan was right. You've changed. I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. The Jedi turned against me. Don't you turn against me. Anymore. Anakin, you're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I can't follow. Because of Obi Wan. Because of what you've done. What you plan to do. Stop. Stop now. Come back. I love you. Liar! You're with him! You brought him here to kill me! No! Let her go, Anakin! Let her go! You turned her against me! You have done that yourself! Take her from me! Your anger and your lust for power have already done that. You have allowed this Dark Lord to twist your mind until now. Until now, you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Don't lecture me, Obi Wan. I see through the lies of the Jedi. I do not fear the dark side as you do. I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2018. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long.